at, at conference this year, uh, I go to conferences not just because they're great for fellowship. I go there looking to hear from God. My ears are open. I, I try to listen extra carefully. You know, when you're in ministry, you're expected to go pray for people. I decide this conference, I won't be praying for everybody. I'll be waiting to go pray for myself many times. And the conference was fantastic for them that were able to go. And some of the messages, it was like, Lord, you're speaking straight to me. And he was, amongst the others, of course. And I came back to the Gold Coast with a thought, and I shared this to my wife on our way back, saying this, a certain theme that the Lord's laid upon my heart specifically for our church. And, and then I got invited to come uh, four weeks ago for Brother Paulos, and this theme followed me. <laughs> And I really felt that I needed to share this thought on the Sunday morning. And, and, uh, and I really need to share this thought today, this morning in the house of God to this church. It's, it's preaching, teaching, call it what you like. It's passing on a message, really, that the Lord's given for me that's been my heartbeat. And I believe it's the theme, the heartbeat of the Lord for His church. And we are that church this morning. And and I've been around for some time. I'm 40 years old, as I've said. I've been living for the Lord since I was 18. That's 22 years. Highs and lows in between all of it. But I've seen people come and I've seen people go. Those that go leave without substance. Those that stay have got substance within themselves. You know, like the story of Peter and John when they came past the gate, beautiful. They didn't say, just wait here till we go to the prayer manual and see what we have to do. They said, what we've got in us is what we're going to give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And I've, I've come to realize that doesn't come by just clapping your hands in a worship service. It doesn't. And so therefore, I want to share on this thought this morning on discipleship. Now, I taught this for five weeks on the Gold Coast, so that means five. So we should be for about two and a half hours. No. Just taking certain parts of it that I believe are relevant for us here this morning in the house of God. So I want us to turn to the book. Of Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 18 to 22. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it reads... And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brothers, brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them and immediately say immediately they followed they left their net their ship and their father and followed him it's amazing jesus simply just walks past and says follow me he didn't say accept me he said follow me he didn't say listen to me for a moment he said follow you're going to come for a journey, but will you accept the call to follow? John chapter 6, verse 66 to 68. If you can quickly turn there. John 6, verse 66 to 68. And this is what it says. 
from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus to the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter, the one who he said, Follow me, he answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Jesus, where are we going to go? I don't know if you remember, but when you said, follow me, that's exactly what we decided to do. And now we've got nowhere else to go to because you're the only one that's got the words to eternal life. So when you said to follow you, we realized that following you didn't mean it was always going to be good times. But we did realize that we will continue to follow you no matter what the times were like. I'm going to ask your pastor to pray one more time for the reading of the word. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to be gathered together in your house, Lord, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we pray that we know you've directed our brother today, Lord, and led him in what he's going to minister. We know your word is quick and powerful. We just ask you to anoint your vessel, Lord God, to bring it as you would have it to be brought. Open our hearts, Lord God, that your will would be accomplished in us and through us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you a disciple or a Christian? Now we're all confused. All right. When we read the Bible, we notice that the word disciple appears to be the label that was given to the followers of Jesus Christ. Disciples. The meaning of the word disciple is one who embraces and assists in the spreading of and the teaching of another. I'll read that again. The meaning of a disciple is one who embraces and assists in the spreading spreading and teaching of another. In other words, if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, you embrace his teachings, and you also spread his teachings. Now come on, it's getting quiet here. Yes, I embrace it, but I don't know about the spreading bit. Pastor doesn't give me an opportunity to preach on the pulpit, so how can I spread the gospel? You work, you have a family, you go shopping, you breathe fresh air. Then you've been given an opportunity to spread what you have. Amen. Simply putting it, Jesus says, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive power to become his witnesses. Amen. Jesus, throughout the Gospels, we read, he attracts the crowds to the sensational. But he was minimal in number when it came to disciples. You can see the examples. Let me tell you some. There were 5,000 that he fed by a miracle. Yet after telling them that he was going to die and rise again, none of them were standing at the tombstone waiting for the word of prophecy to come to pass. They weren't there. Nobody was there to witness the resurrection of Jesus Christ because everybody wanted the blessing, but nobody wanted to go through the death. But he warned them. The multitude pressed upon him just to get a touch of the celebrity. But the Bible says that the lady who had an issue of blood for 12 years, she pushed past the spectators and the crowds because she determined she didn't want to get a touch of popularity she didn't want to get in touch with the famous she just wanted to get a touch from the master 
And it wasn't popular what she was about to do. But she had heard of the teachings of Jesus Christ. She had seen how desperation had worked. And she realized that the followers just wanted to get a view of the celebrity, of the, of the sensational. But she said, I'm not there for sensationalism. I'm there to touch the master. I'm being considered unclean, so you better get out of my way. Because when unclean touches Jesus, there's a miracle in the midst. Amen. Ten lepers, they needed a healing. And when he spoke the word, nine of them walked away thinking, yeah, we've got our healing. But one of them said, I don't just want to get healed. I want to thank the Savior for healing me. And we know the story. The Bible says that he wasn't just healed. He was restored. He was made whole. Where were the other nine, Jesus said? They were only there for something. They were only there to take they were only there to receive. But the tenth one was there to give back. That's the, that, that's the call of discipleship. It's not always about, what can I get out of Jesus? What can I get out of church? Oh, pastor, I can't come to church anymore. You're just not feeding me. I can't come anymore. I'm just not getting that goosebump on the back of my neck anymore. Whatever happened to growing a little bit deeper where God starts to use you to be the callous to reach out to somebody else. The masses came to throw down palm tree leaves and to call him Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But several days later, when the hype of his glory had diminished and sacrifice was the agenda, the same crowds begin to cry out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. It was a party last week, but he's, he's calling out for commitment. He wants dedication. He wants us to, to make sacrifices and, and make changes in our lives. We're not going to go that far. So crucify Him. Today there are over 3 billion people in the world who declare themselves as Christians. They'll be coming out of the woodworks next week when the world begins to celebrate Easter. Christians in times of convenience. I'll come out and cut the cake and have a couple of eggs and, and remind of the story. But please, preacher, don't tell me about commitment and sacrifice. I'm a Christian. I'm not a disciple. All right? Jesus never used the word or the term Christian. Look in your Bible. I challenge you to find the word Christian coming out of the mouth of Jesus. You won't find it. We are Christians. Jesus never used the word Christians. His followers became disciples. By this, he said, shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another. I thought love was a Christian principle. Yeah, it's acted out by his disciples. Amen. The term Christian was first mentioned in Acts when Paul was in Antioch. and They began to send out missionaries and that's where they were first called Christians. That happened long after the ministry of Christ. That was through the effectiveness of his ministry in making followers, making disciples that would follow after him. You see, it appears that modern Christianity is a message about Jesus without discipleship. I'll save you the time of searching out other places. There are many churches that will tell you all you need to do is be a Christian and don't worry about becoming a disciple. Don't worry about commitment. But yet we see that when Jesus started giving them harsh or hard sayings, that many left him because he was 
talking about commitment. He was talking about sacrifice. He was talking about conforming or transforming into the image of God. There is a message today about how you can join the church and the church can fit right into your lifestyle. I don't know what it's like here, but I can assume it's pretty much the same over as it is in the Gold Coast. We don't preach a message about how we can fit your lifestyle. As a matter of fact, we preach a message how you need to fit his lifestyle. <laughs> Not many people like that. But there we read in John chapter 6, as the multitudes were, were seeing that, hey, sacrifice is coming. There's expectations that are being put upon us. Jesus, we can't stick around for all of that stuff. And the crowds began to leave. We're just here for the miracles. We're just here for the, 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 the loaves and fishes. We're just here to, to receive a blessing. If the pastor's not going to preach a blessing into my life, then what am I doing here? And they began to leave. So he turned to Simon Peter and he said, Are you going to leave also? Peter had substance with him. Peter was fishing one day. And after fishing, he was cleaning his nets. And the Messiah walked past and said, hey, follow me. Peter said to himself straight away, hey, Andrew, let's follow Jesus. This is the opportunity that we could never get in the world. You see, fishermen were just a humble job. Who wants to be a fisherman in Jesus' time? It wasn't for the educated. It wasn't for the successful. It was just a dirty old job. But when Jesus said, follow me, Peter realized, wow, this is life-changing stuff. And now that Peter had come to a place he had walked with the master and now people are turning their backs. He had enough in him to realize I ain't going nowhere. I'm not going anywhere. Only you've got the words to eternal life. So if I walk off with the crowds, they're going to be bitter and twisted not long now. But if I stay here, there is going to be a resurrection one day and I'm going to be accounted to be with him who rose from the dead. Bless God. No wonder why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, hear it this morning. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's the baseline of discipleship right there. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't conform to this world. A lot of Christians are bringing the world into the church. Let's just be like the world so we can win the world. And the devil's having a good old laugh. Yeah, you keep doing that. He never called you and I to conform. He took us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He didn't want us to conform to the church and conform to the world. We're not chameleons. We're children of the Most High God. He called us to be transformed. I don't know about you. I'm not the same person that I was when I first walked in to a Pentecostal church. There's been a transformation. There's been a change. The power of God has worked from the inside out. I'm not the same. You're not the same. We don't want to be the same anymore. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Those that are conforming to Christ. They're accepting Jesus and his teachings without commitment and without change. Why? Because there are so many that are saying, just accept Jesus. He accepts you just as you are. Yes, he does. Just like you go to a doctor when you're sick, they accept you as they are and they give you things to make you better. 
Jesus accepts you just as you are so that you can allow Him to transform you. So the end product is a new creature, the Bible says. In Christ Jesus, the old things, they've passed away. You've become a new creature, a new creation, a brand new work. Amen. But when you were transformed, you were totally changed. Back to the way God ordained you, made you to be. After His image and after His likeness. Bless God. I've said this many times and I'll always say this. I'm so glad for a pastor that was loving enough to tell me the hard stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should be preaching the stuff that you want to hear today, should I? I'm so glad that I had a pastor that never told me what I wanted to hear. He told me what I needed to hear. Because if he told me what I wanted to hear, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't. I'm so glad that he wasn't worried about offending me as much as he was concerned about getting me right with God. Amen? Praise God. And I'm so grateful that I'm not perfect, but I'm a lot better than where I first was. Praise God. And so are you. We've been transformed. That's why Nicodemus had a conversation with Jesus about being born again. Because your old nature is not good enough. It's in sin. But that's all right. He paid the price so that you can be born again. Not born. The, the word born again is such a loosely used term in the Christian world today. I'm born again. I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've made no changes. I still do the same things, go to the same places, speak the same language. But I'm born again. Really? When you're born again, that means there's something wrong with your first birth. There was a spiritual defect. You were spiritually handicapped and crippled. You could not function spiritually. You could not connect to the source of who created you. Because you were born with a condition called sin. But when you were born again, there was a transformation. It wasn't the same person that came out of the water. Romans says that we are buried with Christ and we rise up with a new life. Bless God. Why? Because we're born again. And I said this to you last time I was here. There was only one time in the Word of God where the phrase born again was mentioned. And it was mentioned by Jesus Christ Himself in a conversation with Nicodemus. That you must be born again of water and of spirit. I oh, know you're going a bit too hard. No, I'm not. I'm just speaking the words of Jesus Christ. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit. He told them of the two elements, water and spirit. He told Peter, hey, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Peter stood up there on the day of Pentecost and said to them, basically, let me paraphrase. Jesus talked about being born again of water and spirit. Let me unlock the keys to you right now. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remitting or the taking away or the washing away or the forgiveness of your filthy sins. That condition that you're spiritually handicapped with. He says, once you're baptized, you come out of there as a new creature in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Therefore, you must be born again. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's not about acceptance. It's about submission. Better say that one again. It's about submission to the Word of God. There are things in this book that when I first came, I found hard. But when I put my mind around the fact it was the Word of God, that made it a lot easier. If I was ever going to reflect the glory of God, I was going to do it, I was going to do it His way, right? 
Amen. Because I don't want to be a Christian. I want to be a disciple. I want to continue to follow Him. You guys sing that song here? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. What's one of those other verses? Though none go, none go with me, yet still I'll follow. The longer you walk this journey, there'll be those that walk a different direction. But you just keep walking. You just keep being led by the Spirit. You just keep submitting yourself to the voice of God as He speaks through your pastor, the ministry, the leaders. You just keep following after the things of God. Amen. Jude put it like this, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exalt you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I think Judah's reminding them there are disciples that have gone their own direction. But we can't go our own direction. There is a message that Jesus gave us, and we ought to fight for that message. We ought to stand for that message. We ought to follow after that message. Why? Because we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Disciples fight for truth, not acceptance and popularity. I better say that one again. Because in the Christian world today, many want acceptance and popularity. Disciples don't, don't follow after acceptance and popularity. If it comes, thanks be to God. We're not trying to be awkward and uncomfortable around people. But we're following Jesus Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Bless God. I want to quickly do something different here this morning. The, church has not called, uh, the Lord has not called the church... To be soul winners. That's part of our duty. I'm not preaching false doctrine. Of course we've got to win souls. That's how you came in. The responsibility of the church is to make disciples. When a soul gets saved, then what? Oh, we had so many baptisms. We're so excited. And where are they? Well, they got the Holy Ghost. So, you know, my, my children are hungry, so I gave them a bottle when they were two years old. I don't know where they are today, but they had a bottle back then. We disciple, right? Now, you've got to be, if you're going to be a disciple, there is a key to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Some see it as an ugly word. It's the word submission. You've got to submit yourself. Submit yourself to God and submit yourself to the ordinances of God that He's blessed you with. You, you know that, you all know that scripture? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We all get excited. Oh, the devil attacked me, but the Bible says resist the devil and he's going to flee. Well, back up a bit. It says, submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you can't submit, you can't resist. As a matter of fact, if you can't submit, you've already lost the battle. Amen. So God hasn't called the church to, make, uh, to win souls alone. He's called us to make disciples. To replicate what the Lord has done for you. Now you've probably seen this before, but I'm going to do it again anyway. I want to do a quick illustration of the soul winner versus the disciple because you look too comfortable in your seats and it's good today to get everybody moving around in church, right? All right. Now, your pastor is a disciple maker. So I'm going to ask Pastor Butcher to come. Stand with us today. Let's, get to the, let's stand at the front. This is pastor disciple maker. That's why he does leadership training. That's why he prays about, Lord, who should I be investing in? That's why he tries to speak into your life things that you need to hear, but at times you don't want to hear. Because God's called him to be a disciple maker. 
He's not trying to have numbers here to boast back to other churches. We have this number. He's making disciples. I know your pastor. It's his heartbeat. We haven't spoken about discipleship making, but what we talk about shows he has a heart to make disciples so that when he's not around, there are people in the church making other disciples. So this is brother disciple maker. George, come. Now, George is one of the most lovable cre- characters. Oh, I creatures. He's not a creature. Or are you? One of the most lovable people I know. If you don't love George, you ought to be at the altar praying and repenting right now. He's a lovable man of God. He loves God, loves people. He's a good person. Am I right? Okay. And he's humble. So George has got that kind of personality. Eh? He can just go reach out to say to somebody, come to church. And they come to church and get the Holy Ghost. So go get somebody. Go get some of the church. Anybody. Okay. A bit lazy too. Too far to get to the back. Get to the front row. So George just won a soul for the Lord. This man's got a revelation of what it means to be born again. And now he's born again. And Wow, it's great. And George says, well, Steve, I'm glad you're part of the church. See you later. Work it out yourself. Not in those words. No, stay to the front, brother. I didn't say you're a backslider. You're a soul that's been won. I'm not going to give you illustrations on that this morning. So George has won a soul, but George is too busy to sit down and give him a Bible study and teach him the ways of God and explain to him how he can reach out to his own. But pastor's going to reach out now and win a soul and disciple them. Now, he's not favoritizing anybody here. Just get the first person next to you. Why didn't he pick me? He loves me more than everybody. No, I asked him to get the first one. He's a disciple. The pastor has spent time, and now he's given him a Bible study, and he too is born again. Except now there is substance in our brother. What he's heard from the pastor, the Bible studies that he's done, he has a passion now to do what his pastor has done into him. So now our pastor and our brother go reach out for two more, one, one each. Go win a soul and disciple them. All right. This is compulsory. If only it was that easy, eh? And George is on fire. I mean, this is the man of God. I mean, go win a soul, brother. Bless the Lord, he's won a soul. She's late to church because she's still walking up here. So now George has won another soul because he's got a a desire to bring people to church. And that's important. Don't knock that. That's important. But just because they've received a touch from God and come to an altar, it doesn't stop there. But sometimes we get excited about that. And that's an exciting. We should be excited about that. Just don't stop there. So now the soul winners won two souls to the Lord. The disciple makers won two souls to the Lord. But the first disciple is doing the same thing. So go out there and win another soul each and disciple them. So all these disciple makers are going to go out. You're starting to get the picture. But for the sake of the exercise, we're going to win the whole church to the Lord this morning. So if you're trying to hide, look at that. The four went out and duplicated what was given to them. The importance of winning a soul and teaching them the ways of God and how to reach out to others. And now, brother George, man, what a man of God. Go win another soul goes to the highways and the byways and and now the disciple makes go out there you've been duplicating what God's been 
showing you, go out and win a soul. Bring somebody to church that you're going to spend time with and teach them the ways of God. All right, some are bringing family. That's a good way to, if you're a bit shy and sharing your testimony, share it to the family. George is going to go win out another soul. The soul, the new converts come to the corner here a bit. We're running out of room. Discipleship, discipleship seems to be impacting people's lives. So now you guys have been taught the pastor, man. He's reached out to our brother, discipled him, and together they've won a soul to the Lord each. And now they didn't. They spent six months maybe with the one person, not very productive, but they're still in the house of God, and they went out and spent a year one on one. Just one person the whole year. But they're still in the house of God. And they all went out and eight came back at 16. But they're still in the house of God. Meanwhile, George is being used by God to bring people into the house of God. And, and some of those that he's won to the Lord have barely can quote John 3.16. Because no one sat down to show them the ways of God. But now our disciple makers go out there and get another soul. We're going to go the whole illustration this morning. Thank you, brother. Somebody won my Lord, my wife to the Lord. All right. All right. And the rest of you thinking, phew, we made it not getting dragged to the front. Well, I haven't finished yet. Now, these are the soul winners over here. Praise God. See, I grew up under a, under a culture of let's just go out there and win souls. And that was nothing wrong. But we saw a lot of people come and go. I, I, I worked it out the other day. I've seen over a thousand people baptized in Jesus' name. With my own eyes, through my own local assembly. I'm not talking about Australia, uh, traveling and stuff like that. In my own assembly, I've seen over, literally over a thousand people baptized in Jesus' name. Wow. But the church isn't a thousand people. Go, George, win another soul to the Lord. There are sinners out there that need Jesus. All right. You're getting the picture, right? By now you've got to get the picture. Well, for the sake of the exercise, because some people seem too comfortable, these guys are going to go out there and win a soul. And they're all going to stay in their seats, right? All right. Thank you. Go back to your seats. Yeah. There's no room here at the front to bring him up to. And the sigh of relief that comes from those that still in their seats. Did you get the message? All right, I know this isn't the exciting stuff that I should be evangelizing, we should be jumping and getting excited, but hey, I prayed a prayer at conference, and now they're going to really lack, lack faith in me as a pastor. I prayed a prayer this year at conference after hearing certain messages. I said, Lord, I want to see all 600,000 people on the Gold Coast baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. There's no doubt about that. And that sounds funny, but I'm actually serious too. <laughs> but I said, Lord, for 2016, can we have restoration amongst backsliders? This is my prayer. I want to see backsliders restored. I want to see backsliders restored. Uh, it's amazing. We've had some missing sheep coming back. 
in the last three months. One lady who I thought was back in Tasmania. Uh, we bumped into her in the shopping center. She's been thinking about coming back to church. She should have been there today. I'll be finding out after service. I want backslides, Lord, come back to you. Such were some of us. I was a backslider as a teenager. I was a backslider in my early 20s. The prodigal son has to come home. And the church needs to be there with open arms. For this is my son who was once lost, but now is found. Amen. Don't get bitter and gripe about when somebody comes back into the family of God that really annoyed you when they left. Rejoice if you're pastor. Rejoice if the church backsliders have got to come home. I prayed, Lord, bring back the backslider. Those that are in the church today, Lord, let those that are there in January 2016 also be there in December 2016. I don't want to lose one soul. I don't want to lose one soul. And I said, Lord, can you please give us three new families for 2016? Three new families? That's all you're praying for? Just three? Where's your faith? I said, Lord, this has been my prayer. If you want to send us four or five, send us four or five. If you want to send us ten, send us a... But Lord, I want to, I want, I'm asking specifically, Lord, send us three new families. Not that we can hype up for a Sunday service and be too busy to spend time with. But Lord, send us three new families that we can sit down and disciple. And when they're established, send me some more. It's amazing. In, by, by the beginning of February 2016, this year, we have three new families coming to church. A Zimbabwean family, a South African family, and a, a, a mixed family of Filipino-Slovak. God's brought us three new families already this year. Pray for us on Wednesday. I'm giving you a Bible study on baptism. And on Saturday, we're hoping there are four baptisms. Praise God. <clears throat> Why? Because God has called us to be disciples and to make disciples. And if we can keep people's feet in the house of God, if we can fill ourselves with substance from the Word of God, when dark times come and troubled times come, guess where we're going to still be? In the house of God. When the Lord lays expectations upon our lives, we're not going to run for the hills. When the pastor preaches the message that God lays upon his heart, we're not going to get offended and leave the church complaining about the leaders, the pastors, and what have you. We're going to recognize that was the word of God. And it wasn't comfortable and it didn't feel good, but it was exactly what my soul needed to hear. Not what it wanted, but what it needed. I'm sick of preaching to people to give them what they want. If you don't like the message, guess what? I'm just a messenger. Talk to the one that gave me the message. Praise God. Jesus never said, Hey, Peter and Andrew, accept me. What does that even mean in 2016? Accept me. If you ain't following Jesus and His Word, you haven't accepted anything about Jesus. He just become your title for the census that comes around every two thousand five years to say that you're a Christian. If you accept Jesus, then you've got to follow after the Word of God. Amen. Too many people just want the good stuff. But Lord, I have decided that I'm going to follow you. Is that your prayer this morning? All right. Bless God. Hallelujah. He challenged them. Leave your comfort, leave your familiarity, leave everything that you know in the fishing business and follow me on a journey where you don't know where we're going. 
You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what's going to happen. But just trust me by following me. Amen. I don't know if I've lost anybody today, but for those that are listening, God's called you to be His disciple, to transform this church, your family, your community, your city, by the things of God. How? By following after Jesus. Amen. Jesus called his Jesus never called his disciples into leadership. Whoops, got quiet there, but I want to be a leader. He called them into discipleship. When they could first become followers, then they could become leaders. If you can't follow leadership, you will never be a leader in the kingdom of God. If you can't submit, then you can't lead. That's okay if you struggle with submission. Just get on your knees and first of all, submit yourself to God and ask God for strength. Make yourself accountable. Get yourself in right standing with God. Get yourself in right standing with your pastor and say, Pastor, it's awkward and it's uncomfortable, but I want to be under submission to you. That doesn't mean that you're the next pastor. That doesn't mean you'll be a minister. It doesn't even mean you'll get to clean the toilets. (laughs) It just means you become a disciple of Jesus Christ by following His word and His ways. The Bible says that they followed Him straight away. They followed His way, they followed His will, and they followed His purpose. They left their father, they left their possessions, and they followed after Jesus on a journey of transformation. If you had told me some of the things that I would face as a Christian when I first got converted, I probably wouldn't have joined I probably would have said, there is no way I'm sticking around. But I'm so glad for every dark tunnel that I had to walk through, every discouraging moment that came in my life when nobody was around, but all I could do was follow Jesus. I couldn't see where He was taking me. I could just hear the voice of Almighty God. There were times I complained on my needs, Lord, I can't feel you, I can barely hear you, and nothing seems to be going right. But in my spirit, I had recognized I have decided to follow Jesus. And I ain't going to turn back. I'm coming to a close very shortly. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I'm going to do it. That's a scripture for the disciples of Jesus Christ. The very things that he set out to do, he wants us to also do and replicating. The first person to talk about baptism was Jesus Christ. So the disciples talked about baptism. The first one to talk about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was Jesus. So therefore the disciples, they preached about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Such as we have, We are going to also give. The things that we have seen and heard are the very things that we're going to preach. Bless God, 2,000 years later, we are disciples of Jesus Christ because we follow after the Word of God, the message that His disciples followed after that He first taught them. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now let's stand. I've got more that I can talk about this morning, but I'm not going to talk about that. I just simply want to ask this question. Who's made up their mind this morning that you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? 
You're not accountable to me this morning. I'm not going to make a mental note of who's putting their hands or their hearts up today. But I feel the, vo- the voice of the Lord is strong in this place this morning. Some of us have wanted to go a little bit deeper. We're not just here to fulfill the status quo. We're not just here to be part of the church. We're here to be His disciples that are led by His Spirit, that hear His voice, that when the crowds and the multitudes turn their back, we're still here because there is substance within our spirit. And when others say, you know what, the pastor's preaching things that are a bit too hard for us, we're here to say, well, that's the voice of God, and I'm in the submission to God, therefore I'm under submission to the leadership that God has blessed me with. And when the pastor extends out his leadership into the, uh, to the lives of others in the church, that not, might not necessarily be you. You recognize that that leadership, that place of authority, has come down because God has allowed it to come down. And therefore, if I'm in submission to Jesus, if I'm in submission to the man of God, I'm also in, to submit, in submission to those that God has raised up. And if it's not me, that's all right. Because I'm in submission. They don't teach this in most churches. They offer you positions when you first walk in. That's crazy stuff. But this morning, the call is for discipleship. The cry, I believe, is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not to go through another year to talk about how great it was for us, but how we had to go and reach out and make disciples. How what the Lord was doing in our lives began to affect others. As God was working in us, He was also working through us. Why? Because we are disciples. At the end of 2016, whether I'm preaching or not, I still want to be called a disciple of Jesus Christ. This morning as we begin to sing a song of worship, I want to invite you to these altars. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to invite you here this morning to make a commitment that when you leave, you've made up your mind for some, again, for some of us it's rededicating ourselves, finding out where am I right now? Why am I, why am I feeling uncomfortable when the preacher talks about submission why do i feel a bit oh, i feel a bit awkward when he talks about submitting myself to the man of god or to the leadership why does that make me feel uncomfortable is it because there's a resting in my spirit right now and i'm reminded i didn't join all of this for just the sensational i joined this to be transformed by the power of god and so i want to invite you to the altar at this time why don't you come from where you're at get out of your comfort zone And hear the cry of the Lord this morning. Follow me. Follow me. But I've been a Christian for 20 years. Follow me. But I've been around for long. I'm involved in leadership. Follow me. Follow me. I hear the voice of Almighty God in this place this morning calling out to you. Follow me. If you're a visitor today, just like you walked past the fishermen and he said to them, follow me. The Lord's calling out to you also. Everybody in this place this morning, follow me.